my all-time favorite record, my all-time favorite, I also pulled that up for everybody, is Nebraska is my favorite record, my, my number one. And my dream would be if I could time travel or if Bruce decided he wanted to, Nebraska solo tour. And if I mean, if I really had my, uh, this is obviously ridiculous, but like to see it in a slightly smaller venue, like we have a couple of really cool venues here in Vancouver. Like if he yeah. was in like the Orpheum or something and I got to hear him do these songs and do it with that same, like to have him tap into that older version of himself and to like yeah. get into that grit, like just what you're hearing on the songs, I think would yeah. be amazing. And then the other part of me wants to go see Bruce with the E Street Band just just blow me away the way he did when I saw him on the last show here in 2020. Yeah. Here is the second half of my discussion with Kale Judy. Uh, we talk about some of his favorite albums, songs, and of course the Mary question. So here you go. Getting back to Bruce, just because yeah. you know, um, are there are there songs or albums? And, and originally you mentioned that Bruce is. I think you said he's in my top three. So yeah. I've got to ask, who's the other two? And then uh, just, I, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah. So my, my also Bruce is like in my, is my all time top three, top three dudes. My other two are um, Nick Cave and Tom Waits. So those okay. are my, my three guys and all uh, Nick Cave, I'd say the most honey voice, Tom yeah. Waits the least, but I have a real affectation for, for singers who have gruff. Yeah. Like voices. that. There's okay. a Canadian band. Have you ever heard of the Constantines? No. I think you would be a big fan of the Constantine. Oh, they have a record called Tournament of Hearts. That's amazing. And Bri Webb, the lead singer, has a lot of Neil Young. Okay. And the other band that, if we're going to keep it on Bruce, um, so th- those are my top three. So not okay. a top band, and not a band that I listen to as much, for, but for about eight, ten years, this was like one of my all-time favorite bands too, was okay. the, the Gaslight Anthem. Sure. New Jersey, if you're you familiar with those guys? Yes, we are. Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, neat. Yeah. So are there if you've you've kind of mentioned darkness, but are there albums or songs that mean a lot to you? Yeah, so I picked so I pulled out some records, Jesse, to show you. So Okay. I, I, I thought I'd give you a few. So Bruce record that I didn't think would become a favorite that has become one of my favorites is Tunnel of Love. Love this record. Listen to yes. it all. It's probably one of the records, honestly now, it's probably one of the Bruce records I listen to the most. So if if you invited me on your show, um, I would I would probably want to, and you're like, okay, which Bruce album do you want to talk? I would probably say that or maybe Wrecking Ball. Just to, to get a album that maybe some of your audience hadn't listened to, but Tunnel of Love. Someone once told me, um, and this may be not fair as you're a young, you're a man 
planning to get married, but you, you can appreciate tunnel love to your heart's been broken a couple of times. <laughs> and, and I think there is some age to do that, right? Whether you're, you know, because it is, it is an album that talks a lot about, you know, life and what's going on. I love tunnel love. How old was Bruce in 1987? Well, let's think. He was, he turned 71 this year. So he was born in 49. So that's 59, 69, 79, 89, 39, 40. Right? Yeah. So he would only have been a few years older than me when he recorded this album. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. Cause, but he, but he was also married and he got divorced from his first wife. I yes. Think, we're recording this. And you can, I mean. Yeah. For- yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the story, right, is that you know, it is a story of a marriage breaking apart. You know, it was released um, and then they ended up getting divorced like shortly after the release. I, and I'm sure I have listeners yelling at me that I've got the time wrong. But yes, I know that he and Patty started seeing each other. And, you know, originally there was a connection during the Tunnel of Love tour. So yeah, that's a great album. I wonder if uh, Brilliant Disguise or Two Faces like maybe refer to the, a bit of that feeling of him realizing that this is the wrong person but that that period where he was like yeah know, stepping out on his first wife and and that the guilt like i mean it i it sucks like that would have been a really like a, a not good situation to be in or, or to feel yeah. you gotta say like these are some done there's some dynamite songwriting on here well you know he talked about i don't know if you have read his autobiography um uh, but you know he talked about it that he was sitting there with Julianne Phillips, his first wife. Um, they were sitting across the table from each other and he is looking at this beautiful woman who seems to adore him mm-hmm. and who wants him to be part of her life. And he's thinking, this is all a shell. You don't really know me. And if you know me, you would be gone. Mm-hmm. And then, um, have you watched the Western Stars film? I have not seen the Western Stars film. Okay, that's your homework. Go get that. Because he, he says in Western Stars that there was a point in his life that if if he, if you loved him, or I'm going to say this wrong, or he loved you, he went out of his way to hurt you before you could hurt him. Mm. And that there's mm. – so I, I think when you throw that in, him saying that, um, and when you throw in like the – tunnel of love album the discussion about and from the autobiography um it sounds like he has gone through a lot of therapy and he was very self-destructive you know right. as and he has been open about depression so yeah i i absolutely agree absolutely it's it's uh it's tough like it it really the question of the tortured artist i think is unfair because most artists you could argue do create interesting work when they're in pain but if you've experienced depression like there's nothing there's nothing wants to make you be productive like like depression pardon me depression does not make you productive no pain and depression like depression just zaps the you know the color from your soul like it's not something absolutely it's not going to give you but all that to say that i would say that the complications and the things that he was navigating and honestly trying to to avoid you know, dealing with his problems, like, you know, that that's common. And as a side note to, to specifically to the music, Valentine's day, yeah. maybe one of the most 
uh, interesting endings to a Bruce record, maybe ever. Like, I, yeah. what a weird song to end. What a, I love it, but it's like, what an interesting choice to end this record on. Like, yeah. I don't give me another record that has a more interesting closer than Tunnel of Love. I would, I would. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really good point. I agree. That's really nice. Um, all right, so oh, I got I got a couple more here. So, please do continue, Bruce. Uh, my most random Bruce. I only have one. I mean, bootleg, but check this okay. out. So, ah, yes. So it's a Bruce. It's from I had to get it. it's Bruce, the, the handsomest man in showbiz. He live Just, at the Meadowlands in 1984. Oh, nice. And it's got a great version of Pink Cadillac on it. Uh, so side A is Cover Me, Atlantic City, Highway Patrolman, Pink Cadillac. And side B is Follow That Dream, I'm on Fire, I'm Going Down, Bobby Jean, My my Hometown. Nice. At Meadowlands, August 17th, 1984. And it's de- dedicated to Miami, little Stephen Van Zandt. And it's it's cool. Like, I mean, it's um, whoever did the mastering, it's not, not amazing, but it is cool to hear that version of, of Pink Cadillac. Oh, I bet. I... Would be curious to know, I would say on the bootleg front, have you listened to like a lot of the demos from like the Nebraska born, like the Colts neck? Time? So um, I have my share of sessions and um, one of the, and because I've, I know my addictive personality, like to share um, my sister-in-law is a dietitian. And we were one holiday, we were talking about, you know, the different diets, right? And, and Robin said, look, if, if a diet tells you you can't eat a banana, that's a bad diet, you know? And they said, well, okay, Robin, what is the best diet? And the best diet is, you know, eat a well-rounded, you know, re- eat a well-rounded meal in moderation. That's the best diet. And, you know, and my wife looked at her and goes, do any of us look like we deal with moderation, (laughs) you know? Uh, And so I say that because um, bootlegs and video games are two addictions that I've stayed away from. Like I know that if I started doing the bootleg that it would get me down a path and same thing. Like I just don't play video games because I just know I would get sucked into, like I can remember when we had arcades, arcades, I would go every lunch and just throw quarters into a Tetris game. I would just spend my whole lunch hour playing yeah. Tetris. And so I'm like, okay, I, I do not need a computer game at my house or else I will never get anything done. So uh, I haven't done that. I haven't gone to bootlegs that much. Um, did you ever, uh, you ever smoke? cigarettes no no i've 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 um never was a smoker i actually very little drinking um i was raised in a very southern baptist conservative home that if one one beer and the next step you're in a ditch homeless right there was no room for um my wife who was raised catholic you know could was like we have wine as kids you know and, and mm-hmm. uh you know and things so uh, i did that um also such a conservative thing i never experimented with uh drugs either i am i am the only 61 year old guy i can honestly tell you i've never tried pot because at this uh, point now my son yeah. is like dad 
we got to get you some edibles, you know, and, and the only, just a funny, I think it's funny is um, three years ago, I, I was diagnosed with colon cancer and uh, was going through chemo and it's, it's, it, relatively speaking, I had it fairly easy. I didn't lose my hair. I, I, I just felt like crap all the time on chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think to say out loud to Chris, Hey, can any of your buddies get me some pot to see if that would help me? Um, and, and it was like at the very end, my last round of chemo, one of Chris's best friends said, Papa Jay, all you had to do was ask. So I was like, there was my chance that I could try. So it, it's just, is it's just something I haven't done. And I think partly is because of my addictive personality. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I think that's a good thing. If you don't feel like you could indulge in it in a healthy manner, then probably I've, I've got yeah. a buddy like that. Yeah. Who, um, but just like, you know, we would, you know, like, like I never smoked a ton, but I, you know, I liked the odd cigarette here and there. And yeah, he, he was just like, he would like wake up and like think about smoking, like on his walk to work, you know? And I was like, yeah. that's a different. What is kind of funny, Kale, is um, the 2012, um, Bruce is not touring anywhere, anywhere close to Texas. And uh, my wife and I were discussing, we wanted to go on a vacation together. We had not gone without the kid and without another couple in years. And we're like, we want to just, you and I, let's get out of town. And so we ended up um, getting in the car and we drove to, from Texas to Kentucky, which is about, um, it's, a, it's a day and a half, you know. Um, and we did half the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Um, and so that's where all the bourbon distilleries are. And so we would drive, um, we would do the tour, we would get samples. I would smell the sample, put my tongue on it, and then give her my sample behind everyone's back. She would drink the bourbon samples. And then uh, we did that. We did half the bourbon trail. We drove up to Cleveland, Ohio, um, saw Bruce in Cleveland, then did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, came back did the second half of the Kentucky bourbon trail and then came back home and we called it our bourbon and Bruce tour. And, um, I have been said that that sounds like the perfect vacation. <laughs> and it was, it was really great because, um, the, the, the area in Kentucky where most of the bourbon distilleries are is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, picture horse farms and, and, you know, just, pastures and just this beautiful trees and everything and um the distilleries are many of them more you know have been around since you know uh the civil war mm-hmm. and so there's the building so that was that was amazing but the idea was you're like you must really love bourbon no my wife likes bourbon i i love going and touring and smelling it but i'm not a big bourbon drinker so yeah is she a, a bruce fan as well no, um, she, she, she went to see him in 2002. My first show was in 2002. And um, I've often said, um, Kale, that there's two people, the people that go to their first Bruce show and go, wow, that's long. And the second one is, oh my gosh, I want to see this man every time I can, because this is amazing. Um she was the first. She's like, he didn't play any song I know. It was a rising tour. She had not, you know, she didn't know anything. Um, 
so when we went to Cleveland, um, I I did extra walking so that I would be more comfortable doing the tours because I knew there'd be a lot of walking. So I trained by extra walking so I would be better at, uh, you know, be less winded and be able more in shape. And she listened to Wrecking Ball um, CD so she knew every song on the Wrecking Ball. And then I gave her a couple other selections so she knew probably about half the songs. And and she now likes Bruce live. Like she's like, I don't want to go to 15 shows a tour, but if there's one, you know, if there's a show on a tour, I'd like to go and see that one tour. And then, you know, that's enough. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, How about your fiance. She appreciates that. I like it. She, she has her strong interests as well. She likes yeah. that I'm into it a ton. She is not, uh, she likes Bruce a lot. Yeah. Like our third date, we watched the I'm on fire video and, um, had a great, great talk about that. Like she, she likes Bruce a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a great cover. She showed me of the chromatics do a really great cover. I'm on fire as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, she likes Bruce. I would say she's like a fan as much as like, like she likes him, but I wouldn't say she, uh, she, she, yeah, we're, we're on, you know, there's different levels of appreciation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. We get past the pandemic, Gail. He's touring again. Mm-hmm. He's heading to Vancouver or you get some extra money and you're flying to Jersey to see him perform. Oh, uh, or maybe, you know, you're like, I got to go see my buddy down in Texas. You know, Jesse can buy me barbecue and we can, or margaritas, we can do Tex-Mex. Are there songs that you want to see live that you haven't had a chance to hear? I saw, you know, I was thinking about that question because, so my all-time favorite record, my all-time favorite, I also pulled that up for you, but it is Nebraska is my favorite record, okay. my, my number one. And my dream would be, um, I know you're not into bootlegs, but I have, I bought it off the website, mm-hmm. but there weren't a ton of bootlegs and I don't know if it's officially bootleg if you buy it off the Bruce Springsteen website now, yeah, but yeah. there's a show he did in Belfast on the the Shut the Bleep Up tour. Yeah. If you're familiar with that that phase when he was touring Ghost of Tom Joad. And he did a bunch of really cool strip back versions, did a bunch of Nebraska stuff and Tom Joad stuff. I would love to, if I could time travel, or if Bruce decided he wanted to, I'm of two minds. One of me, like the two times I've seen him, the second time I saw Bruce was one of like was transcendent it was uh well, let me finish my first thought so i would love to see bruce on do either a nebraska solo tour and if i mean if i really had my uh, this is obviously ridiculous but like to see it in a slightly smaller venue like we have a couple yeah. really cool venues here in vancouver like if he yeah. was in like you know the orpheum or something and i got to hear him do these songs and do it with that same like to have him tap into that older version of himself and to like yeah, get yeah. into that grit, like just what you're hearing on the songs, I think would yeah, be amazing. Yeah. And then the other part of me wants to go see Bruce with the E street band. Just, just blow me away the way he did when I saw him on the last show here in 2012. Yeah. And the cool thing about that show was that yeah. Bruce, it was not too long after um, Clarence passed away okay. and I got floor tickets for that show. And I went with my buddy Jordan and we got on the floor and I, 
we couldn't get to the very front that was like you had to have like a, there was a lottery to get like right sure. up to the front. but there was this partition that blocked those two off and a little stage that you could walk across and so we got our way up to that and it was an amazing show like bruce played racing in racing in the street which was one i'd wanted to hear live for a long time so that's when i would have said uh-huh. i would have wanted to hear and then at a certain point probably like from me to the second bookcase there yeah um, one point right near the end of the show Bruce came out and it was during 10th Avenue freeze out and when the line and I think he did it on a lot of the shows but the line came up and the big man joined the band and he hit yeah. this pose I was probably like eight feet from him wow and I saw him like I could see his like muscle shaking and he stared at that screen when they played that Clarence montage the whole time mm. and it was like he didn't break that for it like he was so in that moment and to be that close to him and just to have like this amazing show. Like he was like gospel preacher, Bruce, he was rock and roll, Bruce. He was like, he had like all the, like, and his like energy was just insane. It was a great show. And then to be to ha- like, to be that close to him Dan, and to see him so up close and have yeah. like the emotion was just like radiating off him. And like, it was crazy. Like, I was just like, like, if you like, the best way to see a show if you can is to like, I think if you can get on the floor and be close, like, yeah, I don't know, just to see him. Like he was so like he, he is an idea, but he's also a man. But in that moment, he was kind of both in a way mm-hmm. that I think is one of the really amazing things about seeing a live Bruce show is that you're kind of seeing the myth and the yeah. man all at once, you know? So I, I, I mentioned before we started that, you know, one of my other podcasts is I do a doctor who podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, and um, I've often joked that, you know, under on Doctor Who fandom, you know, they go, where would you take the TARDIS? Where would you take the TARDIS? And I'd say, I'd take it to every Bruce show that's ever happened to, to go um, to be to, for that thing, right? To go hear him at that small venue to see, you know, I would love to go. Um, in 75 76 when he's in houston texas you know in these small shows that they talk about um just for fun um part of my five-year celebration is my buddy charles who co-hosts the doctor who podcast with me joined me and we picked five concerts that we would go to using the tardis and mm-hmm. we both kind of gave us the like he said or you're just going to pick five Bruce shows. And I go, no, no, no. I said, I'm, I'm going to, the rules are you can only pick one show by one artist. All right. So you got to pick five different artists and five different shows. And we did that. And we, that was a lot, that was a fun discussion about, you know, he picked some, uh, like, you know, police show, a police show that because he's, you know, he's seen sting, but he never saw police in their heyday. And, um, I picked, uh, that, you know, how cool would it be to be, at the cavern club and see the Beatles before they went bright. Like I would love to go see that. And so that was a fun episode. We talked back and forth. So that's good. Um, this has been a blast. I, I, I appreciate it. And I've kept you way too long, but what have I not asked you that I should have? Uh, the, you know, I think you asked me a lot of great, you asked a lot of great questions. I really appreciated the intentionality with um, which you're kind of approaching the conversation and, and trying to really like get to know some of his background. Cause I think it's unique in that. I think part of the reason like Bruce means a lot to a lot of people and for maybe a variety of reasons, but there is something really 
some something just you know if you if you want to there's a lot you can really grab onto um with him and a lot to to chew on i don't i can't really think of a question that you you didn't ask me i mean i would say like just thinking about just looking at nebraska again um, yeah no i was gonna say uh, you may check out um a guy named mark hater who is in ohio um did a just a recent album of 10 springsteen covers in the style of nebraska oh oh and, you know what yeah Speaking of, and i got one for you then so mark yeah. what's his name mark hater yeah and he actually joined me on the show and he talked about the album and then it's uh yeah it, it's um i i could send you um the the link yeah maybe yeah. email maybe yeah, email yeah. The link. that would be yeah That'd be cool. The other yeah. one I meant to pull up. And was, it's Kevin Hader, not, I knew I misread. It's Kevin Hader. So, yeah. Um, so, and he also does a podcast, Song and Story, which is similar. He has musicians join him and they give the story behind the song. And they get called, the album is called Ohio. And it's uh, Kevin Hyder, H H E I D E R, uh, Ohio, oh, a tribute to Springsteen. H E I? I D E R. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. The yeah. other one I, w- I would say to that, um, to that sense would be, there's also a really great cover album that just got released a couple of months ago from um, a group in Toronto. And it's a compilation of uh, different uh, covers of Nebraska. And it's called at the every, at the end of every harder day, some people find some reason to believe a tribute to Nebraska and that's uh-huh. on Bandcamp. So if you look that up, okay. uh, it's kind of a sepia tone version of that cover. Okay. And yeah, I, I think that, okay. I, mean, I just, I, but I, you know, I know Nebraska is one that's up there for a lot of people in terms uh-huh. of like kind of faves, but like, I also like, I would actually say the one I've enjoyed getting into the most probably the last couple years has been the river, but yeah. you know, I mean the one, you know, what's the one thing I would be interested if, you know, you know, when we do, uh, I think we should do, we, we will definitely do a, you know, a podcast uh, yeah. together. And I think it would be interesting because the one thing I struggle a bit with Bruce has been, is because he's had so much music is, I kind of think of it like the older Bruce to younger Bruce phase, you know, because like there was like all, you know, all the records up to, to I'd say Tunnel of Love. And then when the 90s hit and goes to Tom Joad, uh, Streets of Philadelphia, you know, obviously human touch lucky town all those and then it was like and then that kind of that period where he was just kind of gone and then the rising came out and and then he kind of did magic and all the stuff since and i think wrecking ball to me is like up to, up until western stars was like i thought that was my favorite of his like there were definitely like girls in their summer clothes is an amazing song like there it is stuff. yeah absolutely but like i would say like bruce older bruce is it's it's inter- it would be interesting to compare because like i just don't think you could battle like you can't battle the river and working on a dream like they're just totally like they're, to me they're just so well, diff- they're just different almost different art not different artists but like they're different i guess you could but like yeah. the idea of like you know comparing i think it would be it just to me it'd be more interesting to compare like western stars and magic or something where it's like you're you're yeah. kind of coming from a similar 
and one of the things that I thought about, yeah, is um, Peter Chianka, who does Blogness on the Edge of Town. You know, he that's a, a very uh, popular Springsteen blog. And, you know, he and I have talked about doing this, and it might be something um, – I, I can't remember the comedian – I can't remember the comedian, but it was some um, impressionist that says there's actually, when he does Sinatra, there are like five phases of Sinatra. Like when you're doing a Sinatra, there's young Sinatra, there's the, you know, the movie star Sinatra, there's the elder statesman Sinatra, and, and each voice is different. And I've often thought it would be an interesting discussion to what are the, what are the, ages what are the eras of springsteen like you could also the like the undiscovered springsteen you know for the first everything before up to the first two albums and then do you um like do you group born to run darkness you know nebraska and river born in usa all in the you know the like like before born in the usa the you know the the rock and roll icon and you know like how what would how would you divide the errors and how would you do them and like yeah. um and i think you know from broadway forward you would get this is the you know like the elder statesman bruce but then he went and gave western stars and now he's doing letter to you and you're like okay like so is there a brand new era like i so i think that would be an interesting discussion that to have he, I think that'd be a fascinating discussion. And he's honestly one of the few artists. I mean, the Stones, it's impressive. I mean, it's crazy that they're still, they're still pumping right. out shows. But like with Bruce, you're like, you know, he is, he's like, he, he's just got so much vitality. You're like, right. you could do, part of it for me too is like even listening to Letter to You when it came out, the single. Yeah. I really liked it. But I think part of the, one of the things I really connect with in like older, Bruce is like this some of the stories or the the lyrics and I guess the the final question if we have time still was uh, you know the the Mary question but yes oh yeah we got to have the Mary question so. he poses all these questions and these scenes and these characters like the like even thinking about how early gaslight when they yeah. were you know they were listening to tons of Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and, and obviously yeah. Bruce and the Stones and um the replacements but even Brian would write a lot about um, some of their best songs. He mentions Maria and, mm-hmm. and Mary. It's interesting how that, why that would come up. But I think for me, it's like when Bruce writes the newer ones, he's like, he's writing these songs more to himself. Or yes. to, like an older version of himself. And I get that. It's like, he, the guy's not trying to write another, you know, um, hit song that we would have heard on an earlier record like that. Like these are the no. songs that we're connecting with him now. But that said, I think he's still, and he made a comment in a, in a, I think it was with maybe Rolling Stone, but he yeah. said that I can still tap into all those older versions of myself. Like, I think yeah. he has it in him if he wants to, to write another Tunnel of Love or to write another River if he chose to. Right. It's crazy. Like, I can't think of any other artist yeah. that's had his legacy and career that's like, yeah, no, I could still, I could pull that leather jacket out of the, the closet and put it on and, and write that, write a version of that. But he's also... He's bruised. He doesn't have to. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So. yeah, very, very good points. All right. So, yes. Um, for those of you who may have never heard the podcast, um, time for the Mary question. So, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. Every year, he his seniors, they take two days, and they break Thunder 
wrote a part as a poem. They go through the lyrics, they look at the imagery, um, the lyrics that Bruce has chosen, they compare it to Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Um, and at the end of the two days, um, Jay looks at his class and he says, does Mary get in the car? So, uh, Gail, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? That, so, okay, I'm just refreshed myself on the lyrics. I did tell you earlier, Jesse, this is my, my cover song. I won't uh, subject you to any actual singing of it, but I think the thinking of the final line, so Mary climb in, it's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. I think you could say that she doesn't, she, I, it's funny because I never had really thought about this, but she doesn't actually get in. She doesn't get into the car at any point in the song because the narrator is essentially like talking to her while she's on the porch this whole time. And he's in front of her house. I, um, and Bruce said this interestingly on the VH, VH1 storytellers is that this song at Thunder Road is also an invitation to the listener. It's an invitation to you to like seek something outside of yourself to like, to seek some adventure. And I think it also, the question is very interesting because I think it's really, it's the classic glass half empty glass half full. Are you a pessimist or an optimist, et cetera. For me, Mary gets in the car because the promise in that invitation is that there is something, um, you know, heaven's waiting down on the track and like, there's something out there. And if you're Mary, you're listening to Roy Herbertson, you're feeling sad but you're also you're dancing and you're outside and it's like you're 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 it's like you're waiting for that invitation you know like yeah. we're i think we're mary and so i think for me i i get in the car for sure and i think mary does too good good i like that answer that's good um so i, I told you before we hit a record about 60 percent of the people say yes about 40 percent say no just roughly hmm. um the um some of my favorite stories, um, someone says, absolutely, she gets in the car because how else will Mary get married, get pregnant in the river, right? Mm. Um, my best, one of the best ones is he said, absolutely, because in Racing in the Street, um, she talks about she's on her daddy's porch. That's the same porch that's on Thunder Road, except now this time she's sad because this hasn't worked out for them. Um, and I think huh. my, one of my absolute favorite is um, I had a listener said, absolutely. She gets in the car, they drive all the way to California. They spend a life together. Mary dies. And in Moonlight Motel, he is mourning Mary. And when he goes to the Moonlight Motel, when he pours the Jack on the ground, if that's Mary, he's mourning. I'm like, hmm. okay, I love that. So, um, and then one last story, uh, I had a guy say that it depends. I'm like, okay, it depends what? He says, well, if Thunder Road is being played by the full band, she absolutely gets in the car because it's such a joyous ending. You know, the band is playing off. You have the saxophone. It is a, it is a song of triumph. But when Bruce sings it solo, it's kind of a more downbeat ending and him humming the end she doesn't get in the car i'm like i love it so um 
anyway, uh, I appreciate your answer. I love your answer. I think that is a great answer. And thank you so much. Um, this has been a blast. I, I, I do feel bad I've taken you so long, but I, I hope you had fun. I had a great time. I really appreciate you having me on. I've, I've been looking forward to to John about the boss. It's uh, yeah. it's great. I um, I had pulled up a a little thought. Okay. And I think this is like on Bruce's. Let's see. I think this is a sentence that this idea of actually no. You can maybe just cut that part out. I, I had this quote about a writer that I liked and it was just such a, the quote is this guy, Nick Toshes. Okay. Toshes, Tosh, Toshes best sentences uncoil like rattlesnakes and strike with a venom that spreads poison through all the little Sunday school ideas you've held dear. And that line made me think about how one of the things I love about Bruce so much is that his darker songs can be like that snake that can spread poison into like this idea you have of love or this idea you have of um, this dream for yourself, but then his best, his best songs are also the antidote. And I wonder if that's part of his appeal is that he can write those dark songs, but he can also write those songs that are so captivating and, and, and just draw you in and it's like, you're getting both. It's like, you're kind of getting, yeah. Like maybe even on Western stars, maybe that's why he's so drawn to the the Western cowboy motif is the idea of like striking out and, you know, encountering the darkness and and the light. Yeah. um, By the way, that would be a perfect introduction. I may pull that as my little blurb that I start uh, on the episode because that was absolutely beautiful. Uh, I feel like Western stars could be a collection. I've said this many times in the podcast of Elmore Leonard short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, he's the guy who did, uh, justify was based on, um, also maybe, you know, saying gray novels, right. Louis, Louis Lamore. I mean, you know, this is a, it, Nebraska certainly felt like a collection of short stories, but Western stars really does feel like that. This is just a collection of, of stories he wants to tell. Um, I found a website that was three or four years ago. It was a parody, but it made me wish it said that was a review of Springsteen's latest collection of short stories. And the, the story was a premise that he is a Pulitzer prize winning writer that it talked about, you know, all the different albums, but instead of albums, they're books and this latest collection. And it was like, yes, it would, that, that would be very, very cool. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? If you want to reach me, I'd say the best way would be to um, hit me up on Twitter, Kale underscore Judy. And I also have a link to album versus album on there. Uh, I also uh, write as well. I do poetry and short fiction. And so there's a link to uh, a bit of my work there. Yeah, I would say that would be where to, that, that'd be where to find me. I'd definitely say if you enjoyed this, would love to have you come by and check out um, album versus album. Uh, yes, I, I urge you to go check that out. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I I hope you had as much fun as I do, and I do would I would love to have you come back again. We'll we'll figure another excuse to talk sometime uh, next year. Got a new album to discuss. It's going to come up, and uh, we'll see. So for now, thank you, Kale, for your time, listeners. You 
thank you for listening so much. It, it means the world to me. Uh, please remember to be kind to each other. Remember to social distance. Wash your hands. And as the boss says, wear an effing mask. Let's be good to each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlessingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. This was great. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. That was a lot of fun. I uh, I really like the idea of maybe us doing. I think I like that idea because, like, I think it would be an interesting episode. Maybe not just doing letter to you, because um, yeah. Lucas and I don't record it super often. It's he's yeah. got two young kids, so like it's yeah. a little harder for us to book time. Yeah. What I think we should do though in the next few months is figure out a time to get together and do an elder statesman Bruce. Yeah. So pick two elder statesman records because then we could. I'd love to open in the episode talking about that concept yes. because for me like i'm saving like nebraska for like our like 50th or something like right. I wanna exactly punt that one down the line yeah because it's a special one but I'm, i'd be really curious because i think for me i'm like a lot less precious about um the elder states and stuff because it's, it's new and it's like he's trying stuff and yeah. some of it doesn't work some of it is yeah good and some of it is like seeing it's, it's such an interesting journey to see him go on through that and so i think that'd be really interesting i think so um yeah and i was gonna if, if you if you ever need a guest it's funny i don't know if you the guys great album podcast they've now kind of retired but they the premise is you know they would have they would pick an album and do a great the great album podcast they would talk about the album they were on my show we had a really good time they said hey jesse do you want to join us i said yeah I said, and just to kind of shake things up, I said, you know, I don't want to pick a Bruce album to discuss. And we ended up talking 
Paul Simon's Graceland, oh. which was fun because they said no, they had not discussed that and they thought it was an album they needed discussing. Then another guy did um, he same thing, an album review podcast. And um, I picked for a change of pace, um, Linda Ronstadt, Hall Like the Rainstorm, Cry Like the Wind, which was where she did a lot of stuff with Aaron Neville, is just a favorite album of mine. So I had on there, and that was fun because he did not like the album at all. Like, you know, we're reviewing this, and he's like, there's, he says, this is, he says, I, I appreciate you love it, Jesse, but like, there's hardly any song on this I like. So that was a really fun discussion. Um, my other, I guess, my three would be uh, obviously Bruce. I'm a huge Brian Wilson and Beach Boy fan. That was my first musical passion is just that. And then if I had to pick a third, um, because I love a lot of people. I'm a big, you know, uh, Bobby Darren and and Harry Chapin, but by far John Hyatt is, yeah, John Hyatt is a guy that um, has, has been a, is mostly known for writing. Um, Are you ready for this thing called love from Bonnie Raitt? He wrote and he's been along and he is someone that I, if you ever wanted like me to talk, I I would love to talk Bruce, but if you ever go like, Hey, let's have Jesse and talk about something else. I, I, I'd love to join you. Yeah, I know. I mean, I thought, I think it'd be kind of fun to, Oh, interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to do someone not Bruce, although part of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do either because I mean, I I know because you're yeah. talking about these all the time, so it would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know John Hyatt. That's interesting. I'm just, I just well, you, the reason you mentioned you like gravelly voices, so you may check out a couple of things. Uh, the um, he's got a his most famous song is "Have a Little Faith in Me," and that's been t- used in tons of movies. Um, bring the family is an album that I really like a lot. There is a song um, just like your dad did, which I think is amazing. Um, He's got, he did um, perfectly good guitar, which is talking about making fun of people that destroy guitars. Do a search and play around and then let me know what you think of John. Um, I, uh, and, and it might be fun for you to have you on and just kind of, if you go down a rabbit hole of Hyatt and talk about that. Um, I don't know if you saw, but um, I had a guy named Matt McGee who was on, who he used to adore you too. And then they kind of broke up like for some reason. And he explains why, but just, he was going through a lot and just the music, he turned cold on them. And then he found gang of youth, an Australian band. And, um, and so he was, he was similar to you, just, just very articulate, a lot of fun to talk to. So he and I talked forever and I said, Hey Matt, you know, what's be fun. I said, why don't you give me 10 gang of youth songs to listen to? And then I'll listen to them over, you know, the next month or so. And then I'll have you back on the podcast and I'll tell you what I think of those because, um, early in the podcast, uh, Kale, I did Springsteen newbie episodes where I picked someone who wasn't a Springsteen fan, but like they did another podcast and I gave them 10 Springsteen songs of, you know, like Highway Patrolman and um, Promised Land and Better Days and um, Jack of All Trades. You know, I picked non hits 
and then we had a whole discussion. That's the whole episode was them telling me what they thought of those 10 songs. I so, like that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So good. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 